Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 2.0, very similar to how we hope Howie Roseman has sat down with this Eagles front office and constructed the ultimate roster. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So you can take a longer, you can shave for the duration of one and a half football games. That simple. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology that's about as fast as the Eagles wide receivers will be running down the field all season long catching passes from Carson Wentz. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code USP. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Season 3, Episode 1 of Eagles Enemies. Presented by Underground Sports, Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one Looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut But if I want a game plan uh, for the long run What do I bring to the table, said dumb luck There's a good chance the last thing I pick up Will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams With some shit I won't repeat Cause it's not what I'm proud of Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of Alright Eagles fans, we are uh, post-holiday now So we hope everybody had a great, happy, and healthy holiday season Eagles are coming off a looking good but losing effort against the Arizona Cardinals where Jalen Hurts put up four touchdowns, looked fantastic, and uh, we've got another quarterback controversy on our hands here in Philadelphia. So, without any further ado, welcome into another edition of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's Cowboys Week. We always love a good holiday showdown with the Dallas Cowboys. And we have a returning guest. He joined us earlier this season, and it is WFAA Sports' own Mark Lane. What's going on, Mark? Welcome back to the show. Hey, Kyle. Good to be on with you. Yeah, 
Um, it, I, I can't believe that Dallas and Philadelphia are both in contention for the NFC East, but when the NFC East is as awful as it is, anything is possible. And what, but when you look at it, it, this is actually the good thing about having all four teams basically have the bottom fallout throughout the year is now the last two weeks of the season are meaningful for all four teams. Exactly. Everybody wanted to say that the NFC East wasn't competitive and it might be the most competitive division in the entire league because of just how bad everybody is, how many injuries everyone sustained, and the division is still wide open. And that includes uh, this week 16 matchup with the Eagles and the Cowboys where things look a lot different than they did about a month and a half ago when the last time these two teams played. Yeah, uh, Dallas, they have uh, Andy Dalton under center, not Ben DiNucci from James Madison, the seventh-round rookie. Um, the Eagles, they, 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 they're starting a rookie now with Jalen Hurts instead of Carson Wentz, and it looks like some life has been infused in the Eagles. Um, and you, you, I think that they're coming together. Uh, will it be enough at the right time to win the division? That remains to be seen, but I, I think that Philadelphia does have some elements of winning football, uh, chiefly the defensive line at front seven um, is exemplified by pro bowler Brandon Graham. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be it'll be challenging for Dallas to come away with a win, I think. Yeah, this Dallas offense, like we said, it, it looks a bit different. Andy Dalton's back under center. He's no longer injured, no longer, you know, dealing with, you know, the the immediate effects of COVID-19 because that was just like a, a hailstorm and a half that he got thrown, gets injured, and then gets put on the COVID-19 reserve list earlier in the season. But one of the biggest things this year, I think, and it's we kind of started talking about it the last time you were on the show, was Ezekiel Elliott and how he's had the fumbling issues this year. We saw Alvin Kamara on Christmas Day go and put up six touchdowns, which I think is more than Zeke has all season. Um, what has been this situation with Zeke that's kind of spiraled all year long now, and then there were reports floating around that the Cowboys might try to move on from Zeke? This seems to have just like escalated extremely quickly uh, with just the, the, the downfall and spiral of Ezekiel Elliott in the good graces of the Cowboys. Yeah, what happened with Ezekiel Elliott's uh, was, in terms of the touchdowns and, frankly, his production, um, he's he's been rushing behind a horrendous offensive line uh, that has had over 10 different combinations. Uh, and when you can't get that kind of continuity on your offensive line, everybody suffers. You know, the quarterback suffers, uh, the running backs suffer, and it has been as of late that they have started, uh, that they've, you know, because it's really been because of the injuries, but they have a combination that can finally practice with each other after playing a game with each other. It's been going on for a few weeks, and so <clears throat> that's why things are getting better for the offensive line, but it was pretty bad in the beginning. And that's why Elliott's production uh, dropped. But even as, uh, as low as he is in terms of his production, 
it's still surprising that he's, you know, I, he's like 160 yards away, I think, from uh, – yeah, here we go. He's got 842 rushing yards on the season. So if he adds 158 rushing yards of the last two games here, he could have a 1,000-yard a season. You know, it's crazy. Um, but really the fumbling problem, he still leads the NFL in fumbles. Um, and that's just such a bad look, regardless of the production, regardless of the offensive line. When you're putting the ball on the carpet six times and you're leading the NFL among running backs in that stat, Dalvin Cook and Melvin Gordon are in second place with four apiece. That's just such a bad look. You can't blame the offensive line for your lack of ball security. And you can't really blame all six of those on, well, the defender just made a great play. I mean, what a peanut punch. You know what I mean? So it's just he's he's been a part of the problem in Dallas this season. Um, and to move on from him in the 2021 offseason – they would it would cost them twenty four point five million in dead cap to move on from Ezekiel Elliott. And then oh well that's just the twenty twenty one books, right? Um yeah, it is. It, but that's still I mean, that's just that that's a huge hit to your salary cap when his cap hit would only be thirteen point seven million for that particular season. If they're going to get rid of Ezekiel Elliott, I think it would be after the 2021 season, unless you could convince a team um, similar to what the Houston Texans did in the 2017 offseason when they traded Brock Osweiler, was they added a few picks in with that trade just as, you know, as a compensation to the Browns to say, hey, look, I'm sorry, you know, for the cap hit you're going to incur for taking on Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Brock Osweiler, here's a few picks. Um, but if he's got that kind of cap hit with $24.5 million, you know, versus, I mean, his dead cap hit versus the cap hit of $13.7 million, I, I don't know. I think he stays stays around for another season, even with Tony Pollard doing as great as he has been, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say Tony Pollard has looked sensational, you know, for, for the limited action he's been able to get. And uh, last week kind of being sprung into the starter role, he was effective in not only, you know, the running game where he scored two touchdowns, but he was catching passes left and right from Andy Dalton. It, it seems like Mike McCarthy likes – Tony Pollard in a sense that he's versatile not that Zeke isn't but it seemed like Tony Pollard it just comes naturally to him yeah Tony Pollard reminds me of what Ezekiel Elliott used to be uh particularly in the first two seasons of his career uh Ezekiel Elliott when he could get to the second level I mean he, he was a threat to score every time now it just seems like it's such a struggle for Elliot to get to the second level. Um, Elliot still serves a function in this offense as a running back who can pick up the hard, tough yards, you know, 
uh, he can turn a two-yard hole into a four- or five-yard gain, and that adds up. And that's why he's got 842 rushing yards on the season, um, you know, is his ability to do that. But you just – you don't have the – second level and the breakaway stuff like he used to with, with Ezekiel Elliott, which is why he's nowhere near threatening the NFL rushing title. Um, and he, ha- and he didn't last year either, but Pollard still provides that missing element to the offense and also a versatility as a pass catcher and uh, really a, a really versatile running back. He's also figuring out the kick return game as well. Um, and this is something that, and I mean, you could say this for the Cowboys. You could, I think you could say it for the whole league by not having those preseason games, just to get off on a tangent here, by not having those preseason games, teams weren't able to really hone in and figure out their best special teams combinations and what works. And so they were having to do that throughout the whole season, and which is why special teams were awful in the beginning, and why they're starting to, uh, you know, form cohesion. Particularly with the Cowboys special teams coordinator, John Fossil said that uh, the that Tony Pollard and the blockers on kickoffs now they've reached sort of a synergy where they know where Pollard knows. They're going to give me the blocks now, and Pollard has confidence in himself. And because of that, the blockers know if I can hold on to this block for just a little bit longer, Tony might spring one. And there you go. You reap the benefits from it. But I think Pollard is in, is starting to enter a phase, and maybe you'll see it more in 2021. He's, it's, it's all starting to come together for him. And, you know, if – Ezekiel Elliott can be a good team player and in which he is. I mean, he was coaching Pollard on the sidelines, uh, showing him the holes and everything during the game. I mean, he took an active role, even though he was inactive against San Francisco. But nonetheless, if you can have that kind of teamwork in the backfield next season, I think that the Cowboys running game should be back pending, of course, the offensive line cohesion. I mean, yeah, I assume in 2021 they won't have 15 different combinations, but I could be wrong. It could be 30. <laughs> and I feel that pain because the Eagles broke the record last week for most offensive line combinations used in one season, and it has just been an absolute mess trying to get Miles Sanders going. But, you know, we're heading into Week 16, Week 16 underway as we record this. Looking at, you know, the whole of this season with obviously two games left to go, how would you you know assess year one of Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff uh, with this Cowboys team? Because I think a lot of people have you know a mixed feeling on how things turned out, especially on the defensive side of things and just some of the play calling. But how would you grade you know Mike McCarthy's first year in Dallas? Um, I a part of me wants to give it an F because of where they are at five and nine. Um, And another part of me wants to give them a pass because of, you know, okay, COVID-19, no off season, new coaching staff, but why is, why, why are the Browns 10 and four with Kevin Stefanski? If that's the case, 
why is Washington one game away from clinching the division with Ron Rivera, if that's the case? Um, so then all of the injuries that they sustained, and it wasn't just at key positions so much as it was the volume of injuries at a specific position, like your tackles, you know, you burn through Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins and Cam Irving. And now you're starting Brandon Knight and undrafted free agent Terrence Steele as your tackles. Uh, so it's that those particular types of injuries. But um, then, you know, you brought in Mike Nolan, who as a defensive coordinator, in my opinion, he's just, he's, I mean, and this was going before, you know, there were even lockdowns or the combine or, I, you know, the Super Bowl even. I had my suspicions about Mike McCart Mike Nolan because he he was the only Ravens defensive coordinator to never win a play you know to be a part of a playoff win with that team. Um, he just everywhere he went, it was if they couldn't get massive takeaways like they did in 2012, his first season with the Atlanta Falcons, then his defenses were just surrendering so many yards, you know? Um, so I, you know, I, I'd have to give them a D minus. I'll be honest with you for this season. Um, and what prevents it from being an F I is the way that they have. I, I thought they were done. I'll, Kyle, I thought after on Thanksgiving that they were finished um, because you had the death of the strength and secondary coach, Marcus Paul, who, you know, was a, was someone that everybody in the organization just really thought highly of. And he was connected on both sides of the ball and the coaching staff. I thought that was just demoralizing and throw in the, that happens two days before Thanksgiving. And then they get crushed on Thanksgiving I thought they were out of it. Then they followed up with the Baltimore game. I thought they were done. Albeit they've beaten Cincinnati and San Francisco. Um, I, I was shocked they were even able to do that. So I think just still not exactly quitting on McCarthy. It amount, accounts for something. But there were just too many you know, just too many giveaways throughout the season and the defensive struggles and everything. I'm just going to give them a D minus. Now with Andy Dalton back in the fold and knowing how good these Cowboys receivers are and how banged up the Eagles secondary is, that has to be a point of attack coming into this game for the Cowboys coaching staff. Like they can't just ignore the fact that, uh, you know, Darius Slay is coming off a concussion. He should be back for this game, but this Eagles secondary, it seems like this is the time of year where they just get banged up and we find guys that haven't played in the NFL ever and they somehow come in and you know pick up Jim Schwartz's scheme, but they're inexperienced and playing against such experienced wide receivers. Mike McCarthy has to recognize that that's going to be the way the Cowboys win this game. Yeah, but here's the question is, can – Dallas's ragtag offensive line, even though they do have cohesion, can they provide protection for Andy Dalton to find 
the those open men downfield. You see what I mean? It's kind of like the old which came first, the chicken or the egg. Um, but if the the you know if the offensive line isn't providing time for Dalton to find those open men, you know, then that kind of solves your coverage problems right there. Um, so if they can get a if they can get a, an easy uh not easy but if they can get time in the pocket to survey downfield and yeah i mean uh, that Dallas should be able to take advantage of that um something to look out for is the referee in the game Sean Smith his crew calls the sixth highest Offensive holding calls in the game at 1.9. But in terms of how many sacks are generated in his games, it's at 5.8. And that particular figure is, you know, very good for the Eagles because it's, um, it's the highest in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, so if if the if the Eagles pass rush um you know has an avenue to get to Dalton, that's going to solve their coverage issues. Looking at, you know, this matchup from the Cowboys defensive side of things since they haven't faced Jalen Hurts in his career yet up until, you know, leading into Sunday's game, how much of a benefit is it that although he's not the same type of quarterback, the Cowboys do have you know, game film from three mobile quarterbacks that they've played this year in Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Yeah, they act like that it's not um, that not really applicable uh, applicable because of the different schemes that those quarterbacks play. Like, for example, um, Lamar Jackson uh, with the Greg Roman offense, they, you know, try to go up the middle a little bit more. Um but with Jalen Hurts, you know, you see, you still see some West Coast concepts in there. Uh, so I, I'm sure individually, you know, for the pass rushers, it's probably a little helpful in terms of the scheme from uh, Mike Nolan's point of view. Um, they're two, you know, they're all three different quarterbacks just based on the offenses that they're in. Um you know, Dallas, that that's really where their coverage is going to have to be good uh, because they're going to need to find a way to confuse Hurts and maybe force him out of the pocket and take off with his feet a little bit more as opposed to try to complete the ball downfield. Um, he's, he has. He's been dynamic these past two games um, with what he was able to do against New Orleans, even though they were starting Taysom Hill. Um, What he was able to do against Arizona on the road, uh, he didn't even have an interception. He was responsible for four touchdowns. He's really provided a spark for the the Eagles. And, you know, going on the road again, but in in what I consider really a friendly venue for Philadelphia – um, it'll be fascinating to, to see what he's able to accomplish. 
And then kind of looking at how since Jalen Hurts got into the offense, the running game hasn't really changed much, but it seems like there's been more looks for Miles Sanders. And then obviously in that Saints game, they allowed Sanders and Jalen Hurts to rush for over 100 yards. How do you think the Cowboys' run defense kind of plans to attack, you know, two guys that have that potential to rush for, you know, 100 yards or more in a game if they're given the opportunity? Ah, I'm, oh, how does the worst run defense in the NFL that gives up five yards a carry, five yards a carry, the most in the NFL, tied with the Texans for the most in the NFL, how do they plan to stop that? I don't know. I, I, I don't know that the defense can. You know what I mean, Kyle? Uh, it's just they they give up. I mean, that's like their Achilles heel. You know, I think the way you you stop it is the offense. I mean, the offense has got to capitalize on turnovers if the Eagles commit them. And they have got to basically tilt the field to where Philadelphia is just forced to pass. Um, you know, if the Eagles key to victory, I think, is to run the football and don't give up on it. Uh, Dallas gives up 161.8 rushing yards a game. I'm, it's, you know, it's, I wouldn't even consider the the passing game to be the dominant part of the offense if I were the Eagles. I, I would run the ball at this point. And, uh, you know, how Dallas was able to stop San Francisco last week and Cincinnati – was the take it was the takeaways because then Dallas capitalized on them and they put the Bengals and the 49ers in a hole and they couldn't and Dallas was dictating the tempo of the game if Dallas loses the ability to control the tempo and the Eagles have it Eagles should just run the ball they shouldn't even pass it unless you know they get behind the chain somehow due to penalties. How painful is it for you that both teams that you cover in the NFL are horrendous at stopping the run? Uh, it, it, what's funny about it is on Twitter, you see each of the fan bases saying no one else in the NFL has this. <laughs> and I'm now, hold on, hold on. And then when I do that, then someone covering the Seahawks will come in and say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Um, but yeah, it's really been kind of, you know, just the same problem for Houston and Dallas this season is not only do they give up the most yards per carry, which sometimes you can attribute that to, well, they do, but then teams uh, quickly have to abandon the run and, you know, that's why it looks so bad. No, this is both. This is yards per game, yards per carry, and it's just – Okay, um, what it's nothing, nothing. Okay, we're just gonna run the ball, and that's the end of it. And then um, for Houston, though, they at least have Deshaun Watson, who can, can right. keep you in virtually any ball game. With Dallas, it's like okay, uh, well, we're, we're behind, so now we're just gonna have to uh, wing it with Andy and uh, see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's. In some ways, it's been virtually the watching the same 
the same team on defense all season, except Dallas has been getting takeaways. The Houston still, they only have eight takeaways on the season. And that I, you know, they're in danger of finish that no doubt will, I think set a new franchise record for them. And then that'll be the third lowest since 1950 or something. Um, it's been pretty bad, but, uh, yeah, if Dallas can get takeaways, you see Demarcus Lawrence. He's got four forced fumbles on the year. I think that's tied for the third most in the league. If he can have an in, if he can influence the game somehow, uh, that should help Dallas with the run game because some of his uh, forced fumbles this season have come stopping the run. And but that's be- the only shot they have is to procure takeaways. Offensively, C.D. Lamb over the past couple of weeks has shined on this offense. He's got to be at least one of the bright spots of this season. Yeah, he is. Uh, Trayvon Diggs as well, Uh, the rookie cornerback, the second rounder from Alabama, little brother to Stephon Diggs. Uh, He's been a bright spot. And then when you get down, you know, when you get into the esoteric and stuff that you only find in like the comments sections on. Uh, the blogs, you know, the Cowboys fan blogs and stuff. Neville Gallimore, third round pick from Oklahoma at defensive tackle. He's been, uh, you know, he's been showing a little something. Uh, Reggie Robinson from Tulsa has has found ways to get in the game uh, just because of the volume of injuries at secondary. Finally, that rookie can get in there. There's some bright spots. Uh, for the Cowboys this season. And again, that's just what's so funny about it is they endured a four game losing streak. They were two and seven. They just now put together their first winning streak of the year. (laughs) And uh, they're still, they can make the playoffs maybe. And you, you put an interesting fact in uh, one of your articles on WFAA.com in your hundred facts and stats for week 16 for the Cowboys and Eagles. The fact that the Cowboys are 5 and 9 for the fifth time in team history, none of those previous teams made the playoffs and that was, you know, all throughout the the early 2000s into 2010. And then the Eagles are 4-9 and 1 for the third time in team history and neither of those teams uh made the playoffs, which was 1969 and 1986. And yet one of these two teams if they end up winning still have a shot at making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll take Washington collapse though. So, you know, that could happen. I don't know. I mean, their defense is really who's leading that team, but, um, yeah, both teams are going to need Washington to lose, uh, against Carolina for it to really matter. And then I think what they should do, they won't do it, but I think what they should do is if you get in a situation where, uh, Dallas, if they win and Washington loses, and I think, but then I think if Dallas wins and Philadelphia would be out of it, Correct. I think this is an elimination game. Yeah. Kind of like week 16, uh, that soft elimination game, uh, last year, it really is. It's like, it's rhyming with what happened in week 16 of last year, except now it's at at and stadium. Um, yep. we'll see if, <laughs> we'll see if Amari Cooper's on the sideline for this one. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, and I just want to go back to that for a moment. 
that particular game was just uh, just quintessential Jason Garrett because it's for the division. The Eagles have nobody but practice squad players as as their skill position. Kind of like this year. <laughs> yeah, and somehow they're just there. Didn't Zach Ertz even get knocked out of that game? Yeah, he had a, a yeah. kidney okay. issue, rib issue. Like, it was ridiculous how many injuries he was dealing with. Right, but still somehow the Eagles are able to dictate the pace of the game and Dallas's offense can only muster nine points. I just, and then on the last play of the game, Amari Cooper's not even in there. So, uh, you know, whatever, and then you lose and then – you need to hope for luck. But um, I think what they should do next week is whoever wins between Dallas and Philadelphia, their game goes into the Sunday night slot. And then the Washington um, – I think it would be Washington and you guys for the division. So yeah, actually what pl- the NFL – play Washington. Yeah, so actually what the league needs if they want a Sunday night game is they need – Dallas to lose this game because then it's Philadelphia and Washington for the division. And if that doesn't happen, uh, what you could see happen is what happened in 2017 where the league didn't even put a a game in Sunday night in week 17. They just said, nah, it's all pretty much decided. We're not going to waste anyone's time. Uh, So here we are. I think it was New Year's Eve, too, so they didn't want to do anything. Yeah, something like that. How surprised were you that they flexed the Cowboys out of primetime the other week? You know, I went along with everybody else on that, and I said it was awful and a new low for the Cowboys and all this, and some of that's true. But I think it was also the 49ers' fault because if San Francisco had something to play for themselves – I don't know that they would have flexed out of that game. Go back to 2010, for example, Kyle. Don't you remember in 2010, uh, it was week 14, and Dallas was uh, an eight-loss team. They had fired Wade Phillips. Jason Garrett's the interim coach. Tony Romo broke his collar when he's out. Uh, Even rookie Des Bryant broke his foot uh, and was done. No, he didn't break his foot. I think. He broke his ankle or something, but he was out for the year. There's just basically no real reason to watch. They kept it in Sunday night football. Yeah. Because I do remember that they be, and it, so it's not Dallas is awful. They'll keep Dallas being awful in there. If the other, if the other side is compelling enough to keep the, to keep you engaged. And it was, and, and I think that was the problem was there was really nothing to play for. And I don't think that, the game going over in more ways than one between Phil, I mean, Dallas and San Francisco was a reason, uh, you know, to say, Oh, they should have left it in there. No, they had nothing to play for. This still can't be decided until week 17 and Dallas needs, I mean, you know, um, Charlie in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory had better odds finding the golden ticket the way he did than Dallas does winning the division right now. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really where they're at. And But I do think in some ways it was a wake-up call parlayed with getting no Pro, Bowl, uh, no pro Bowlers. Uh, it just shows you how low this season was for Dallas. Looking at this game, you know, there are injuries across the board for both teams. Like we said earlier, the Eagles secondary a little banged up. 
Uh, it was announced today Derek Barnett's not making the trip uh, to Dallas for this game, and Josh Sweat is also out on the defensive line. Who do you think kind of changes the pace of this game one way or another, keeps either team in it? I know we mentioned you know, CeeDee Lamb and, and Demarcus Lawrence. Are those two guys you should be looking for uh, if you're watching this game to kind of change the course if you're you know rooting for the Cowboys? Oh, so which so which cowboy do you think is going to change the pace of the game? Yeah, and then we can hit our eagle as well. <sighs> mm. I'm going to say Jalen Smith. If Jalen Smith does what he's been doing and just doesn't really play like the Pro Bowl linebacker on his second contract, which has cropped up throughout the year, I think – Philadelphia has their way. The run game gets going, and your choice of Miles Sanders and uh, Jalen Hurts, or even our Sega Whiteside on a <laughs> end around. You know, um, if Jay, if Jalen Smith plays at a high level like he did in 2018, if he's the Jalen Smith he thinks he is. I think that I think that's the factor. I think that is like you know the uh, molecular factor in the game. Let me say, if I was gonna be boring, I'd go chalk and say Jalen Hurts. But it was announced today, so I'm gonna get a little creative and fun because it might be his last hurrah. I'm gonna say Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles. Oh wow! I you know I didn't even know he was still with. I mean I did, but I didn't even know he was eligible to play. I thought he was like on some kind of you know IR or something. Yep, he was designated to return. I think last week or sometime this week, and he is expected to play on Sunday. Oh wow! You talk. I mean, let's just hope he doesn't throw the ball away at the goal line. Um, <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I remember seeing that play live and thinking, there it is. Hey, that's a fumble. What are why are and then that's kind of how you know you got a bad team on your hands, Kyle, is in loose ball situations like that, your defenders are just watching the ball, you know, instead yeah. of falling on it and <laughs> taking it back at least for you know, a touchdown should, you know, they go back to booth. No, the, the Cowboys just kind of like watched it like it had a booger on it. Wasn't the only you time know? Deshaun Jackson had ever done that in his career either. Yeah, he did that back at the did back in count? college. But yeah, but that that kind of would be some kind of um, that would be a, a blast from the past if he scored a touchdown in this game. It's, it's going to be wild because I, I feel like it's going to be one of those instances where Deshaun plays well, makes it look good over these last two games, and it's going to convince Howie Roseman to keep him for another three years. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah but and I don't know why, but he Philadelphia just historically has had receiver problems. Aside from T.O. Yep. They just have never fixed receiver Ever. Yeah, the last it's, time it, it's been somewhat cohesive was the first go-round with Deshaun and Jeremy Macklin. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And then when that tandem got – but when that tandem was broken up, but, I mean, it's just – I don't – and that's the thing I see with some NFL teams is, you know, so many of the fans want to fire the GM, fire the coach, and all this kind of stuff. 
some of these personnel departments need to be fired Mm -hmm. because you see the same thing. You just see why have the Chicago Bears never figured out quarterback ever? Like, how does that happen? Regardless of who's the coach, who's the front office, how do you never figure out quarterback? If you're the Philadelphia Eagles since I would say 2000, how do you only have, how do you have T.O.? And then how do you have Deshaun and Jeremy Macklin? And then the rest of the time, uh, you know, it's Kevin Curtis as your number one receiver. Or it's the practice squad guys. I mean, how does this happen? It is unbelievable. And I guess you could count the, the, the Super Bowl season of, of Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, but that was a, a one-hit wonder. It wasn't a sustained success at right. the wide receiver position. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like, how does this not take, you know? I mean, I was surprised when they got rid of, uh, when they let Dante Stallworth go Me after too. the 06 season. I thought, there was the guy, and he's going to go to New England. Why? I was disappointed, to say the least, but, when that happened. But you signed Kevin Curtis so from the St. Louis Rams, so you fix the problem. <laughs> It's uh it's one of those instances where I would give, you know, just to have fifteen percent of what the Steelers personnel department does finding wide receivers. Oh, I know. They hit on them all the time. And that's why when people complain and you know, oh well, if we would have only taken the Steelers not you know, if we had taken who the Steelers took, oh but yeah, your personnel department you know, didn't value who the Steelers took. Okay. That's part of the problem. It's not your GM that blew a draft pick. Okay. And then, but Dallas is the same way with safeties. They can, they, since Darren Woodson, since Roy Williams, uh, they outlawed the horse collar on him. They can't find a safety. They can't sign a competent one. They can't draft one. They get lucky. I think, with Donovan Wilson, but they kind of got lucky with Xavier Woods too, and then you see what happened to him. So, uh, some franchises, it's just they can't figure it out at some positions. Yeah, it's wide receiver and linebacker in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game because there's actually meaning to it. Uh, come Sunday afternoon down at Jerry World, Mark, you're the absolute best. Thank you again for hopping on the show this week. Let everybody know where they can check out all your Cowboys stuff, Texan stuff as well, and uh, where they can check you out on social. Yeah, at the real Mark Lane on Twitter currently, just kind of having fun with people, calling them infidels for not liking Wonder Woman um, and picking on some British um, acquaintances of mine since it's Boxing Day today. Um, yeah, you can find all that, and then you want to follow me during the game, even if you're an Eagles fan. Absolutely. Because I will have intense third down stats for every third down, Dallas or Philadelphia. And I give you the odds for offense and defense, both sides. You want to follow during the game at the real Mark Lane. Mark is one of my favorite I, I Twitter follows. I was thinking, you know what I'm going to do, Kyle? Here's what I'm going to do. Well, we're going to have to see what happens in 2021 um, with the schedules and everything. But if I get a Sunday – where it's Dallas is off, Houston's off. I'm going to try to do third down stats for the entire NFL. 
for that Sunday just to see if I could do it. We need a Guinness Book of World Records uh, auditor wherever you are for that game so we can get you into the book because I feel like that would be some sort of world record. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, Kyle, it was good being on with you. Mark is one of my favorite Twitter followers, guys. Even though he covers the Cowboys, you need to be following him, uh, especially for all that good third-down goodness. Uh, Mark, again, always a pleasure, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking on game day because it's going to be exciting. All right, sounds good, Kyle. All right, Eagles fans, there you have it. It doesn't seem like you know it's going to be a lack of entertainment come Sunday because this game has meaning, but... You know where I stand on this Eagles team, and it's tough to want them to lose to the Cowboys. Will I be actively rooting for it this week? Probably not. Uh, I just want the team to look good. I want them to look good, play good, feel good. Um, You know, Deshaun Jackson's back. He could play a factor in the return game. Who knows? But it's Eagles-Cowboys. It's always fun. It's in quote-unquote primetime because it's at 425 at Jerry World seems like these end-of-season Cowboys games always produce, you know, instant thrillers uh, for the rivalry. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting time. And uh, that's why you guys should be following us on Twitter. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. Make sure you check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Should have a ton of stuff going up on there over the next couple of weeks with sports, with entertainment things for streamer season and all that good stuff. Follow streamer season, by the way, while you're here. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed, Underground Sports Philadelphia on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts. Drop a five-star rating and review. Let me know how you feel about this Eagles team heading into Cowboys week. You know, do you want them to win? Do you want Jalen Hurts to continue to succeed? Obviously, we all want to see him do well, but do you still think it should be Carson Wentz's team? Let me know in the Apple Podcast Reviews. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. You can also check us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there, and we will be back next week, potentially before the new year, uh, with the final Eagles enemies for the 2020 season, regular season, as uh, the Eagles... Play the Washington football team potentially for the NFC East title. Big shout out to my man Mark Lane for hopping on the show once again. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. He's a fantastic follow. And uh, like I said, we'll be back next week. Eagles Washington football team potentially for the NFC East title. This has been the week 16 of 2020 edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm KB. And as we always say, it's Go Birds!